0: The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We're dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Scrum.org. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Women in Agile podcast and another episode from the Coaching Agile Teams mini-series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and in today's conversation, Lisa Adkins and I are joined by remote working expert Malud Sicarelli. Malude is a remote work strategist and remote agile coach, often referred to as the Queen of Remote Work and Agile. She's the founder and CEO of Remote Forever and the host of the fully online Remote Forever Summit. Her work has been published in places such as Forbes, Huffington Post, and Inc.com. Getting the chance to meet her for this episode was really a delight. She is crazy smart and engaging and really fun to talk to. I hope you'll enjoy meeting her through this episode. The discussion you're about to hear was recorded in October of 2020, about seven months into the COVID-19 pandemic. And as I was preparing for the release of this episode just last week, now April of 2021, I'm sad to say I personally haven't gotten much better with my own remote working mindset. So it was really good to relive all of this content. I was thankful for the topics we got into here. Some of the parts that really stood out to me the most, and that I'm excited for you to hear, were when we touched on things like simplicity. Malou defined it as maximizing the amount of tools not used. I thought that was really great. We also talked about how important it is for us to be unwilling to let go of our known ways of working. And then we frame how real remote work is not at all what we've been thrust into over the past year. We've been mandated into a virtual work setting that is isolated, while real remote working is really based on aspects of freedom and choice. So without a doubt, this episode aligns with the high dream Lisa and I had for the Coaching Agile Teams mini-series. We bring in expanded ways of thinking around agile coaching and encourage all practitioners to uncover better ways of creating value while placing a spotlight on innovators that are taking our discipline to the next level. I truly hope you enjoyed this discussion with Malud, Lisa and I. And don't forget, Lisa and I would love to hear from you on what you're learning from this mini-series. So please find us on LinkedIn and let us know what you think. And as always, if you want to stay up to date with everything happening on the Coaching Agile Teams mini series, please visit us online at www.womeninagile.org. cat. Thanks again for tuning in. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hi. I am uh, looking forward to exploring today uh, what we really mean about what it sounds like is gonna be the next wave of defining how Agile coaches really serve organizations. And that is exploring what it means to do this work remotely and in a distanced fashion, Um, because that's, that's the reality we're all living in right now. And it's forcing us to acknowledge that it's actually a primary that we've been operating in for quite a while, even prior to the pandemic, and just not really recognizing that it was a reality.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I'm really excited to have Malode with us um, this time. We'll introduce you in a minute. But the, I want to, like, broaden the context a bit. Agile coaches working remotely is so because the world is working remotely. And so yeah. it's, um, it's a much bigger context than even Agile or Agile coaching that we are yeah. participating
0: with. Yeah. And so, Lisa, you—we um, do have a guest with us today. Yes, we do. Please, yeah, tell us about uh, Malode and uh...
1: so Malode. So, I've known Malode for a long time. Uh, we met in an Agile coaching class that Agile Coaching Institute did. I don't know how many years ago, Malode, seven, eight. Yeah, do you know about that? Yeah, and I have to say, she's just recently been married to someone who I really love, but I've never learned how to say his last name. So, this is Malode Ciccarelli. It it's actually sounds very easy. Written, it yeah. looks a lot harder than that. It's Secarelli. Okay.
2: Well, correctly pronouncing it would be the Italian way. That would be Secarelli. But yeah. since my husband is not Italian, but he has an Italian name, we always pronounce it like an American would Secarelli.
0: There we go. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. But before. Thank you Malode for being with us by the way like i just the just so listeners really understand like the prep chat that we had leading up to recording today almost for me was a little bit of an emotional roller coaster like i felt angry at times i felt excited i felt like inspired and heartfelt like i and i want all of that to come forward in this conversation today but before before we get into it um part of that chat was about teas and mm. so if if you were a tea what tea might you be today it's tough
1: <laughs> i i'm going with the intense earl gray
0: in t- like wh- what is that what does that bring alive in you Lisa? it's like
1: it's if 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 you have a really good earl gray that has a lot of that bergamot smell you can smell it from across the the kitchen and so Mm -hmm. like it it creates it creates an immediate wake up that something is happening and i think that's true about our topic yeah yeah all right you
2: inspired me i'm gonna go with almond tea which is Ooh, a tea nice. with almond flavor and i think the reason why i'd go with that is that the smell is familiar but the taste is very surprising when you have it for
0: the first time
1: i gotta try uh, it now
0: yeah that, um, might um, that sounds it. really good okay <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'm going like i want like uh a really kind of bright and vibrant like green tea but with citrus in it. in my mouth, there's an awakening quality to that, um, especially the citrus aspect. And then I'm almost thinking like when you talk about like doing product development like greenfield, like we can build anything we want. we all we have right now is just a giant green field. Like I want people to bring that mindset into listening today. It's like set aside all of our notions of how it is we've worked together and really like embrace that learning mindset and that beginner's mindset to leave listening from this episode with just something new to take away to go rebuild how it is we can work with each other. Cool. Yeah. So we are all working remotely now. And we were yanked over that edge very suddenly, many of us, you know, this spring. Uh, what was that experience like for both of you? I'm just curious.
2: Okay, I go first. Uh I have been working remotely for several years, and when the pandemic hit and we were supposed to work from home, for the very first time, I noticed that I did not have a desk. I never worked from home before that. I was a remote worker, and I always worked from other places that inspired me, that made me feel comfortable and productive, and home was never it. So to be able to create a working area in my tiny apartment in the city center of Stockholm was quite a challenge on its own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I have, when I'm at home, I've always worked remote for years and years and years. I, I have enjoyed really rich collaborations and real authentic conversation and, and genuine connection with the collaborators that I've been working with for the last few years. So Um, The change for me was not flying around the world and being in physical space with people, which I miss so, so much. But I'm also so grateful that my daughter's grown up and I could take over her gigantic room above the garage. And I have this lovely configurable space because I had the notion that virtual reality was coming anyway, and so I've got it so all the furniture can move around and I could have lots of different kind of configurable spaces. Right now we have the sound booth for the Coaching Agile Teens audiobook still set up in case I have to record a correction. Um, and now I imagine virtual reality and augmented reality will come even faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. The, when I think about how we are now, In relation to the Agile values and principles, what I experience is when we are face to face, it is very, it is much easier to place individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And what I observe and what I've experienced over the past several months, because similar to you, Lisa, like if I was at home, I was working remotely, but I spent so much of my time traveling and being with people face to face. I feel like there's a bias towards processes and tools and tools right now, as everyone's navigating this. And so how might we reclaim the individuals and interactions and the richness that we had in that face-to-face way and not feel like we're losing something? Because I think that's still, when I talk to people, that sense of loss and that grieving is what's so present for them.
2: Yeah, that's correct. In fact, the most common question that I get as a remote work expert is, "Malud, what tool should I use in order to do this? And what tool should I use in order to do that? And how, which indicates what process, should I use in order to do this other thing? And usually that thing that comes at the end of the question is a practice that people used to do when they were collocated, when they were meeting people face-to-face. And the good news is, we Agilists, we have the answer already in our Agile thinking. The answer is, go back to the purpose and simplify. And if you remember from the Agile Manifesto, simplicity is defined as the art of maximizing the amount of work not done. Now, expanding that to tools and processes, I'd say, maximize the number of tools not used.
0: Ooh.
1: I and love that. <laughs> it. Yeah. I got chills
0: <laughs> yeah. just now.
1: Yeah,
2: that's a very oh. difficult one for people because as people are forced to work remotely, they are struggling to bring back all the emotions, all the practices that they had when they were collocated, and they think that the, that a tool, a new tool added to their tool stack, is going to solve that problem. What they don't mm-hmm. realize is what is the purpose. What are we trying to achieve? And can we do that with the tool set that we already have? And in most cases, the answer is yes. So our agile ways of thinking have taught us to adapt our processes to empower individual interactions. And that is still true. But somehow people go into this panic mode and they think that a tool is going to take care of that. And they don't want to put in the effort to actually adapt the process using the tool set that they already have. Yeah.
1: I just got this big landscape view in my mind. You know, at the time that the Agile Manifesto was created 20 years ago, the big job was to interrupt the assembly line mentality that had people never talk to each other. You know, I do my piece, I pass it off to Leslie. Leslie does her piece, she passes it off to Malode, and then on and on. And then we get to the end and find out we can't integrate it, we can't test it, it's a big failure. I was on a number of projects like that. So so. So the agile Manifesto comes along and wants to interrupt that. So face-to-face communication is the highest bandwidth form of communication, right? And we got something really great from putting people, a small number of people, in the same co-located space. They're working on the same thing at the same time. They're connected to the business. They have everything they need to actually produce real quality product on a cadence High high bandwidth conversation, information radiators everywhere. Like so it did an amazing job for us. That was an interruption of the status quo, much like the stand-up is an interruption in the status quo of our old status meetings. Yeah. So now here we are in 2020. And so having gone having enough of us have experienced that richness, how can we go? To the next place in our landscape which is having that while being scattered
0: yes yes well i mean one of the the simple things that i've noticed is just by being on zoom calls or any video chatting where you're able to see everybody's face like tiled out like in that you know brady bunch view when you're in a room with people like your eyes only look really one direction but you're able to actually pick up on you know facial nonverbals across your entire an entire group almost immediately versus like you know having to look around it's just and so like there is that benefit and i've been able to use that a lot like oh tell me more about that face mm-hmm. that y'all like like what was just going on there you know and get curious and and inquisitive with folks um but I'm not able yet to pick up on those real energy, emotional field changes as well. And when I think about like you know the work that scrum masters do and the work that agile coaches do, um, when they're able to get beyond some of that, like I serve the team as an administrative assistant sort of thing, which is often a stop in a scrum master's kind of journey and they start doing more of this work like that takes time to hone those skills um and we were just talking here about like oh you got to experience that and now we're trying to recreate that in this scattered fashion but I want to make sure we give a couple like give a nod to the brand new scrum master's that are just learning it now, that have never had that luxury of doing it face-to-face? Like, how, how is it different for them?
2: I think it's very different, to be very honest with you. That's also why uh, I w- I've been thinking about creating this course, which I managed to launch this year, and the feedback that I received was phenomenal. Course was online facilitation, and the target market was literally Scrum Masters and Agile coaches who had been working face to face but who were struggling with remote working. Mm-hmm. And we had some people on the course that were new Scrum Masters that were just they had just gotten their certification and they had not, never really worked in a face to face environment before. For both groups, the ideas that were shared in the course really help them to change their mindset. And what I hear you, Leslie, say is I'm not able to pick up that energy that I used to by just looking at people or by being in a room and walking around and seeing people's body language and facial language. And we need a different set of skills when we work online. We cannot rely on seeing people anymore. And I see that And I know that a lot of people who are remote work experts, they still encourage people to always be on camera, to have their microphone unmuted. And it comes from that same mindset of us not being willing to let go of our old practices and our old habits. Whereas I have a security degree. So I studied computer security. And for me, security and privacy are very, very important and I know that being on camera is nice and all, but every, every time we are on camera and we're sharing our voice over the internet, whether it is recorded or not, that's part of our digital footprint. Mm-hmm. And I really think that we all should recognize people's right to privacy. And they should have the right how much digital footprint they want to leave behind. So if I'm not able to attend a course with my favorite teacher because they, they expect me to always be on camera, I'd be very sad. I'd rather have that teacher learn how to teach online, how to engage the audience who are not on camera, instead of forcing everybody to replicate that idea of we are face-to-face, you know?
1: Yeah. I think in a, I love what you're saying, Walode. And I think in addition to that, there were some basic skills that we didn't get as a community, that are it's time to, like, go back for another round and try to get them again. And um, listening is one of them. And you can absolutely listen to an individual or a group of people without having to see their faces, and you can pick up a lot energetically. And I agree with you, Leslie, that it's harder. It takes a little more uh, practice. But in the meantime, while you're practicing, just ask all the, and I, that's
0: an edge, yeah, right? Just asking.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I, I do it all the time. I'm, I'm working with a group and I, and I, and I can't quite tell what's going on. And I say, so what's going on out there? And you know, just let them tell each other. And then, fig- and then from there, you can figure out where to go. I was on a, um, an, an agile coaching meetup recently, and it was a lot of people on the meetup and, Um, we, there wasn't much of a structure to this meetup and we started a conversation. It was really sort of stilted. There were like these people talking about little vignettes of what was important to them and nothing was connecting. We were not in a conversation. We were in sort of like a lot of potential starter conversations that didn't go anywhere. And so I introduced a couple skills. One was reflecting back what you heard the last person said before you add something else. And, and that started to get us into the same conversation, but it was still quite stilted. And then I think someone must have asked a question about being on camera or something. And I'm like, well, let's just do an experiment. Everyone turn your cameras off and let's see if we can increase the quality of the conversation. And we did. And we did. They, they got into the same conversation. Now there were about, I think 70 people online and maybe 20 of those 70 really, engaged in the conversation but what that did was create a a fishbowl and then the i would notice the other people were commenting in the chat about what they were seeing so we had two things going on we had the the um conversation in real time and then we had sort of the meta analysis of Mm -hmm. what was happening at the pattern level Um, Yeah. yeah and then we came back on camera and i just said okay so so what happened what did you do and what did i do as the facilitator that made that happen and these are all replicatable skills. It's just time for us to learn them.
0: Yeah. What are some of those other skills? Like, I love that, right? Reflect back what you heard the last person say before you add on something new. What are some of those other very kind of tangible tips, tricks, and skills that allow us to really curate more intimacy in relationship with the people that we're interacting with in this distributed session?
2: You know how people learn using their different senses? People also communicate using their different senses. And I think that is it is time for us as facilitators to really learn those skills and to make sure that the environments that we create for our audience to create content in is actually curated so that anyone with any learning style and any communication style can contribute to that content. The problem that we have now in the Agile community is like part of it is we only know, as a community I'm talking, we only know how to create uh, exercises and experiments that involve uh, tactile and visual skills, right? We forget about auditory skills, we forget about reading So when you're creating an online experience, you also need to recognize that some people hate reading long walls of text, but they don't hate listening to an audio. They may not watch a video, but audio works just fine. And some people are, you know, on different sides of this spectrum. They might prefer pictures and text. They might just, some people might actually prefer text. So it is time for us to really step up our game of online facilitation and learn how to design experiences that are inclusive. And when I say inclusive, some people, especially people in the States, understand it the wrong way. Because the word inclusion and diversity have, taken different meanings and what I actually try to convey here. So when I'm talking about inclusion, yes, I'm talking about different learning styles, different communication styles, but I'm also talking about people's choices, people's abilities. The beauty of remote working is that we now have the opportunity to collaborate with people from a different country, people on a completely different socioeconomic level that we would probably never meet if we didn't work remotely. People who might have disabilities who were never able to go to an office or to an in-person class and interact with people. So the inclusion that remote working is bringing to us is so much broader than we may be used to. And I think this is really an opportunity for us as the pioneers of change, as the people that we claim to be in the Agile community, to really step up our game and learn the skills that are required to create true inclusion in our exercises, activities, and workshops that we design.
0: Yeah. I feel this ember, like, kind of burning inside me oh, now. Oh, let's do that. I want to do that. Yeah. I, like like, like, I'm, 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 I didn't even realize, but I'm rubbing my hands yeah, together, yeah. right? Like, what, how, what, can, what fuel for that fire can we give people? because like this, yes, we have this calling, we need to uncover better ways, right? If we go to that first line of the manifesto, but where I only know what I know. And so my natural instinct is to just translate it. And instead of doing that thing with physical sticky notes on the wall, I'm going to use Miro or mural or Jamboard or whatever. And I'm going to have digital sticky notes and we're going to do the same thing. So we're just kind of, you know, refactoring just enough to make it a digital experience versus the face-to-face but that I, I'm, I know has blind spots and it's like putting blinders on us so how do we really get out of those trapped ways of thinking and facilitating in order to amplify these interactions getting back to the purpose
2: and the principles that would be that would be the first thing really but also remembering that we can think outside the box. Yes, we are used to putting sticky notes on a whiteboard or a wall and moving them. And I call those actions. In, in my course, I, ha- I give people what I call a smorgasbord of actions and, uh, gosh, what was it, structures and actions. And I allow them to combine any structure with any action that they want, just to help them to think a little outside the box. So yes, we are used to putting the sticky notes on the wall. That's one action. Moving the sticky is another action. Now, when you're working in a digital environment, there are so many other actions that you can do. You can react with an emoji. You can share a GIF. You can click. You can answer a poll. You can type in the chat. You can show something to the camera. There are so much more for us as options to pick. And then when it comes to structures, it's the same thing. We are used to columns of sticky notes and moving them along, right? We, we usually move them from left to right, like in a mm-hmm. Kanban board or in a Scrum visualization board. Now, when you're working online and you're visualizing stuff for those people who learn visually or who who prefer to interact visually, you can create maybe circles, because it's super easy, you don't even have to like pick up a marker on a whiteboard and be worried about the fact that your circle is not going to look good, right? You can create funnels, you can create pictures and have people like move pictures around or explain the pictures or do something else with them. You can create drawings, you can create so many different ways of structuring your activities and combining that with a set of actions. Now, another favorite of mine is flip something on a digital whiteboard, like you would flip a physical card on a, on a table. When you're in a digital environment, it's so easy to just click and it would automatically flip, right? But we don't think about it. We're, we're stuck in our mindset of the
0: stickies, wall, movement, and that's it. Yeah. And now I'm like, wait, how would I click something and be like it flips over? Like, I just never even thought about, like, of course, you can yeah. do those kind of things.
2: Of course. You you yeah. said mirror and mural. You can design something that's black and people can change its color.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. really
2: easy. You could
1: never do that with a sticky note. No.
2: Yeah. You couldn't. And it's we're... a world of possibilities.
1: Yeah, it is. And I'm so geeking out on, like, how, how rich the tools the processes and tools can make our interactions and i'm also hoping that we finally also pay attention to conversation skills um and one thing i did recently with a group of uh, transformation coaches they're in a transformation team in their organization is you know they're they're having a really big struggle with like why were we put together to do this transformation and it just so happened that my husband and I had gone out to the woods to get away from the daily horror that is, for me, the struggle of living in the United States right now. And he built this amazing fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so great. It was, like, it was so beautiful. And so I just had a little 20-second clip of the roaring fire and the crickets. And so in the mural board, we had a, a, this video, like this big picture and i just played we just played that for them and then i sort of inducted them into yes you are half a world away from each other and we are in this same time and the same spirit right now so i just sort of inducted them into the idea that they're sitting around a campfire and you know just imagine that your that the, the the electromagnetic energy of your heart is actually reaching the electromagnetic energy of other people's hearts as a way to s- to move them into a genuine conversation where they were willing to say things to one another that, uh, that would feel vulnerable to them. And it worked. It was really beautiful.
0: Yeah. Cause I think, and Lisa, what I love about this the most is, um, the connection that I miss the most with people, um, is like breaking bread with each other and sharing meals and the connection that comes from sitting around the table with each other and, Oh, pass me this and that, and just that familial sort of cultivation that happens in relationship when you get to share meals together. And I started a brand new job the first week that like that lockdown happened. So I've like, only known my colleagues now in this new sort of world of working and I so crave that how do we you know share meals together like I can't wait to breathe the same air and do this and then I was thinking about the camera thing that you were saying and how oh like yeah I have no problem being on my camera but I'm going to eat now so I'm going to turn my camera off but yet we would eat in front of each other face to face why wouldn't we eat on And It's just, it's just so interesting how everyone sort of draws their own personal boundaries and the privacies around what they do and don't do online. But I just, I, this idea of the fire, it's like, yes, just making the space and creating the container for those conversations. Mm-hmm. What are some of those other things that you both have done that have opened up that opportunity for building deep connection?
2: Having lunch together is one. I've been having lunches remotely for over a decade because I've lived afar from my parents and my sisters. And we're very close. We really are. Like I sometimes talk to my family every day, right? And having lunches together in front of a camera was never an odd thing. But somehow this year I discovered that for some people it's not very easy. And one of the initiatives that I had was for uh, for the elderly people who are in lockdown, and I, I live in Sweden, which is a country with the highest number of single households. So I started this initiative and I invited people to just share a virtual meal and people who didn't know each other. So it was intentionally creating serendipitous meetings. And when you're working in a company, you can do the same thing. There are tools that can enable us to do this. Yep. One of them is the Donut app on Slack. that I was just thinking right? yep. Yeah. But you don't need to use a tool. You really don't need to go for, hey, what tool should I use to create a serendipitous way of people meeting each other? You can really just create that opportunity yourself. One of my clients, their HR department, uh, sent out care packages, well, lunch packages, really, to people on one day. And they planned it. It was in the summer. And they just invited everybody to come on camera. There was like a whole welcome event. And then everyone went to breakout rooms. Now, I know that some people listening are going to be like, but we don't use Zoom. We don't have breakout rooms. Well, guess what? These people did not have Zoom either. They were using the Google Suite and They're HR people, they collaborated, they created several different meetings, they grouped people together beforehand, and they made everybody aware of which group they were a part of and where they needed to click in order to meet online. So it's all about designing that experience, right? There is a little bit of grunt work that us facilitators need to do. But the rest, the experiences that we create, it's just as beautiful, and it creates the same level of connection if you really put in the preparation work.
1: That's great,
0: Lisa. I wanna, I wanna invite us to kind of do a little bit of time travel, and I wanna like, and you may need a second to kind of get here for us, Um, but go back to when you were writing. The book ten years ago, right? Coaching Agile teams. If how how were you talking and guiding and mentoring people on remote work and distributed work then?
1: I wasn't. I wasn't. I mean, it doesn't take long for me to go back there. It's like really clear. And um, the the big job then actually was to get people out of their cubicles and into real space, real time together. I mean that was the big job we were we were about right yeah and so um agile helped us do that um and now we're just we're just up to the next step in our evolution of having that sense having that not only that sense but the actuality of working together in that same way but not being in the same physical space or even yeah. necessarily the same time
0: yeah. It's it's That's like we really screen. were selling Oh, sorry, Milad.
1: No,
0: go ahead. I was gonna say it was like we were actively selling against the idea. Yeah. Yeah of, yeah. of it back then. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. And so to be fair, we were breaking a bad habit. Yeah. Right? And so and so now we've created some more habits. Some of them are good, some of them not so good, and now we need to break those habits and get to the next level, which is what we've been talking about and for this whole podcast so far, like what that next level looks like.
0: Yeah, and so so let's let's dream into the future, right? and And we won't go ten years in the future. Let's just go like one year from now. What are some of those habits that we may have broken by then?
1: I hope one of them is showing up to a meeting unprepared. I hope that's a habit we have broken by then. And what I mean is every participant being unprepared. One of the things I'm working on with the people and the teams I coach right now is having them check first of all at the beginning of an interaction, center themselves, get their minds in present time, and then ask themselves, "What is my intention for this session?" And then communicating that with each other. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's um, the unpreparedness. Like I'm just gonna show up and kind of go with it. You know, this is someone else's meeting kind of mentality. I hope that goes away. And I hope it gets replaced with um, we all have, we all have a stake in
0: this interaction. You
1: know, mm-hmm. what is my part of it?
0: What other habits might we have broken? Hey, everyone. Natalie Warnert here, the president and executive director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a
2: monthly drawing to receive a Women in Nagel goodie bag filled with Wea stickers and other treats. Thanks
0: for listening. I know for me, there's a, it's a little bit, Lisa, where you were coming from around um, intention and all of that. Uh, but I want to break the habit that I, I, I experience it so myself and see it in others the, the back-to-back 30 minute Zoom calls oh yes please let's be- break out because away. it's the it's like oh well we're just we'll dial in we'll get it done we'll be over and do, do do. and so you have no space for that intention there is no white space in your day um you know it was bad enough when we were in buildings and going to face-to-face meetings with each other but at least you had to like walk from conference room to conference room and that pass to bathroom mm-hmm. Um, and you could have conversations and those kind of casual chats you, in the halls as you were moving. Yeah, and you could just
1: clear your mind, even like have two seconds yeah. to to breathe and be by yourself. Yes. You
0: know? Um. So it's like for me, it's like giving everybody the permission to like schedule that white space mm. into your day, uh, and all of that.
1: Yeah, I do it. Um it's so funny because because I just put the word slack. For the, mm-hmm. for the meeting invite name, and I put it in my calendar. And my husband gets all my calendar notifications. And he's like, who is this Slack that you're always <laughs> meeting with? Now, my husband's retired. He doesn't even know about the Slack app or anything like that. Malone's heard tons of tons of John stories over time, right? So you can imagine right Malone.
0: He's like, who is this Slack you're meeting with all the time? That's great. But like what what are some of those things you've done from a self-management perspective, right? Because you've, if you're, you coach and train people on doing remote work. So like, how are you taking care of yourself as a remote worker so that you can show up best for your clients and for others? So in
2: normal circumstances or in 2020? I think both. In normal circumstances, it's actually quite simple. I'm very disciplined. I trust my calendar. I sometimes say that my calendar is my god. Like, if it says I have to do something, I just listen. So I really, really did make an effort to put tasks in a calendar. And in a way, that comes from my Scrum Master days, when I was trying to help the team to understand their capacity and not overcommit. So when I put stuff in the calendar, the calendar hours are really my resources, right? And, and I do take care of that. Other part is I started working out a few years ago and I made that a habit and I just don't let go of that. Mm-hmm. And over the past seven years, I've been on a special diet and it has happened maybe occasionally that I went out of it, but it, it's a diet that keeps me energized and healthy. And I'm really disciplined about it. And that's been hard when I traveled. Because when you travel, you're exposed to all this exotic, amazing food. And you just want to try it. And I really had to make an effort to remove the extra carbs. Or remove the sugar from it. To just stick to my diet. And just give myself the ability to buy that little sweet and take it home. So those are the self-care stuff that I do. I do... Uh, Well, I do have time that I really block in my calendar and I go off camera off the internet and I just spend time with people that I care about I used to, to spend a lot of time in the nature like every weekend I would take a long walk in the nature so yeah before 2020 life was amazing then 2020 happened and I've been at home for a very long time and my home is a small So I've managed to keep my diet and I've managed to keep my exercise habits. But like long walks is gone. It's nowhere to be found. So one of the things that I do now as a remote worker who works from home, which to me is so different from working remotely as a free person who has the choice to work from anywhere, including an office if they so wish to. It is these connections that I need to make remotely with people. So I have added to my calendar, call your best friend who lives in Germany, or set a lunch with that old friend of yours who you haven't talked to for three months. Or, you know, like connect with Lisa, or make sure that you reach out to people. And if my calendar says so, I actually do it. So it is being more intentional. And I said that a, a, a while before, that... We need to be intentional about creating serendipitous meetings. If you don't follow up, we won't get that because we're kind of isolated this year. Yeah.
1: Can I tell you something fun I'm doing that actually both of you and other people can join in? This is super fun. Okay. Okay. So, oh, I just realized this might not work for you. So Malod is not even able to go out and walk in downtown Stockholm at this point. So, um... Okay, so Milo, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to tell the rest of the world, and you're going to be bummed out about it, okay?
2: That's okay. All right. I might actually join. You'd never know. you never know. <laughs> you never know.
1: Okay, so here's the deal. There is this thing called My Virtual Mission, and what they do is they um, – it's an, it's an app, and you can join a challenge. I'm currently walking the Appalachian Trail, which is 2,100 miles from the state of Georgia to the state of Maine on the east coast of the U.S., and I'm doing it with a group of people. And so as I walk around my neighborhood, my you know my steps get uploaded to this app, and it shows me where I am on the trail, and it shows me where all my friends are. And then as we, I, I, it hasn't happened to me yet, but I understand that as I achieve certain places, as I get to certain places that postcards, physical postcards from those places be mailed to me. And so it's just, it's a way of having a separate, but together
0: Mm -hmm.
1: feeling that I, that I really crave and that I also need the connection for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've just joined that challenge recently. Yes. So I'm very, uh, excited about that. And, and it's, Just seeing the names and the faces of the women, I'm like, oh, I haven't talked to her in forever. You know, it's like, it's just, it's another way to just create that connection and that shared experience. Well,
1: they just added the ring road around Iceland to my virtual missions. So the Appalachian Trail one is going to take me until next October. So it's like a whole year yet. But after that, I might be doing the ring road. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for real and maybe virtually we'll see what happens with the world. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, yes. The um. Let's leave people with just like a laundry list of like places to go learn more. Right. If I okay, I'm clear. I could up my game. I could be doing some things differently. Where can I go learn more and get access to additional resources that will help me shift my way of thinking?
2: Well, I think if you're an adult. The courses that I've created are probably the most valuable ones. I can, I probably it's not very humble to say that, but I did go to a lot of courses before creating my own. And I think what I have managed to put together is pretty amazing. And the feedback says so. Apart from that, there are organizations that are teaching how to lead remotely, how to work remotely. Some of them have never even heard of Agile. So if you're an Agileist and you care about it, you probably wouldn't just connect with the content. But there is like this organization called Remote How that is a venture-backed company that created a lot of courses all at once, and they even have like certifications. I haven't uh, looked at any of their content, so I don't know what is the quality. There is another one that I actually know the founder, and I do think that their courses are pretty good. It's called Workplace Less. Like, you don't have a workplace, Workplace Less. And what else? There are people that you can look up, like Lisa Sutherland has a really good workshop that she teaches the basics of remote working, the basics of remote connection, Again, not necessarily Agile, but a really good fundamental course. What else is there? Learning.
1: Judy Reese is sort of adjacent to the Agile community yeah, as well. Exactly. And she yeah. is-
2: Judy Reese has also worked a lot with the, with clean language. So she can really up your game when it comes to real-time and synchronous conversations. Mm-hmm. And- my focus is mostly on bringing asynchronous to the conversation we didn't actually get to talk about this that I really believe strongly that what the future of remote work beholds is more asynchronous and less synchronous so when the two of you were talking about what you want the future to be you were both talking about meetings and meeting habits and what I was thinking at that moment was what I envision for the future is for it not to be that many meetings in the first place, because we have such effective communication without meetings that we don't need to meet in person or in real time all the time.
1: I just saw Leslie's like excitement and glee about that. I,
0: so this is a whole talk about like new ways of thinking. Yeah, so this is my
1: podcast. Leslie. <laughs> you have to have yes. her on just for this, just yes. for this topic because we did not get to it. And it's, and it's, Key. So, you know, so because Malode probably won't say this, I want to also give a plug for her Remote Forever Summit, which she's been doing now for three or four years. Four years. So and that has been exploring not just like how do I replicate what I used to do in my agile retrospective, not at all. It's it's been exploring now for four years what is the playing field over working remotely in totality.
2: Remote forever summit was what really started my journey in this whole world of bringing remote work into agile and it all started from me having listened to people like lisa having read books like lisa's book and realizing that there was nobody talking about my reality the way i was experiencing it i i worked as a developer as a tester as a scrum master as a coach and i never ever had a co-located team so i was filled with this sense of frustration about like, why can't I have what every knowledge, every body of knowledge tells me that is the best way. And it, it hits me one day that this was the reality, that if I was to actually embrace agile and respond to change, this is the change that I need to respond to. So Remote fervor was created as a result of that. And I was so fortunate and lucky to have the supportive people like Lisa who joined me and they said, yeah, that's right. That actually is the reality. And I've been working remotely. I just never really saw it that way. Yeah. yeah. And when I when I put that idea out there, there were a lot of people supported it. There were thousands who joined the first summit, which I did not think would happen. I thought like 200 people would say yes, and the rest of the Agile community will say, let us be co-located. We want to have our face-to-face daily scrum. With thousands of people joined and it has grown every year. The summit has grown every year and the community stays engaged. There are people who keep coming back because they really feel like it's one of the only places that brings people from all around the world together. And then suddenly everybody feels connected. And it's like you you meet a group of like-minded people. At the same time, over the last four years, there has been people who really resisted the idea or were like, I would never support this. Even this year, I reached out to one of those people who was resistant and I wanted to invite this person to be a speaker. And I thought that 2020 might have actually changed their mind, but they haven't <laughs> changed their mind. <laughs> So there is still a lot of those people out there that we need to work with. And then 2020 has also showed that there is a group of extroverts who really are missing the in-person connection. And they are unfortunately blaming remote work for that, for, for the lack of having connection, not realizing that this isolation of working from home is not really what remote work is about. Because I think remote work is, in essence, about freedom. It's the freedom to work from anywhere you feel most productive. And having the processes, the foundations in the company, in the organization, in all the development processes to be able to do so without feeling like you're losing something. But this working from home that we've been experiencing is so isolating and so limiting. That is like the opposite of freedom, right?
0: Yeah. But that's I want like to
2: it. just make a point to recognize that this working from home in the middle of a health crisis is not really what remote working is about. And what we're talking yeah. here in this podcast about what we need to learn is the actual skills of remote working, not because of a pandemic, but because this is the future.
0: I love that. Like mic drop. Yeah. that's Completely. I'm so excited. Yes. Yep. yes all of that um, what what do you want to say to feel complete today?
1: I am so happy to have Malode on this podcast. Because our relationship started when I was her teacher and she was a student in one of Agile Coaching Institute's classes. And we are all students and we are all teachers simultaneously. And to see her come into her own in this niche where she has been interviewed by Forbes magazine and, you know, on and on and on, to see her come out with her, her unique thought work and that be so pertinent... For not only where we are right now, but the future of where we're headed. Like, it's just so gratifying, and I'm so appreciative of her work. Thank you.
2: I just remember the comments you made to me on that first class that I had with you. You called me a firecracker. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you told me hey you're such a firecracker and I was like what does that mean is uh, that good is that bad I'm not, I'm not
1: sure I meant that in a completely good way I think there was probably yeah. a bit of like both sides in that <laughs> but you know but that but that uh, idea of like that you can ignite things you can yeah and you have ignited this whole new way of imagining how we could interact together that fits more of where the world's headed
0: I Um, I feel ignited. Like my mind is still actually like totally hijacked by this idea of how can we do all so much of this amazing work that we do with each other absent meetings and like starting to rethink my own ways of being and showing up in the world. Like that was my firecracker moment. And for that, I am grateful. Truly, truly grateful for having been able to be part of this conversation with both of you today.
2: I also feel grateful for being invited to be here and to be given the opportunity to share my ideas with the world. Having a supporter like Lisa has always been a moment of gratitude for me or has brought me a moment of gratitude. and. What I need to say in order to feel complete is in line with what you were just saying, Leslie. And that is, when we think about communication, we naturally think about talking to each other in real time. And we forget the whole idea that communication happens in a much broader sense of the word. Communication can be synchronous. It can also be asynchronous. And one of the things that again, people immediately think about when I say asynchronous communication is chat tools like Slack or Microsoft Teams or maybe WhatsApp or whatever they use for chatting. So I wanna emphasize here on the fact that communication happens in all other sorts of digital tools that people are using as well for their task management, for example. And we don't even count that as communication. So if we are moving into this world of having fewer meetings and having more effective conversation, we really need to understand and learn how to communicate asynchronously more effectively. And that's only possible through simplification of the tools and processes that we use so that we can empower people and interactions.
0: I will definitely be reaching back out to you so we can unpack that topic and go really, really, really deep on it. Because I think there's so much I want to learn. Like, I'm just coming at that totally selfishly. So, uh, and I I hope everybody else is excited about that possibility, too. I'd be happy to share. Awesome. Lisa, anything else you want to add before we be
1: closed today nope i'm super happy i'm just really glad to have um well i guess so as i'm adding um (laughs) it's really important to me that in lieu of writing a second edition of coaching agile teams that i point to the people who are advancing the state of the art and so this conversation is a huge part of that and so this feels really good to me like i'm Um, it's, it's clear, like the ball is handed off to whole new generations of people doing great work and I want people to focus on them.
0: I love it. Thank you you both. Lisa, Malou, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. Um, I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.